Yeah, you got it started. Probably better you do that. You know what I'll do. Uh, before we get started, let's let's go to God in prayer and uh, let's ask for His the presence of the Holy Spirit to be with us as we worship today. Pray with me, Heavenly Father. Thank you for this marvelous day. Um, how you've seen us safe thus far. Uh, we look at the difficulties of life oftentimes, and they seem to weigh us down. And we forget about you, and we just more or less dwell within ourselves and how uh, we can get through difficulties without asking you for your help. So this morning, we ask you first to be with us as we worship you. May your spirit be in us and with us and around us and through us. Uh, may the words that I say today be the words that you would have me say to my brothers and sisters here in Christ. But Lord, may we also just bask in the glow of your love to be thankful for the opportunity to come before your throne of grace this morning and worship you as only you deserve. Lord, we thank you so much for the many blessings of life and yet we, we forget so many. We, we're so short-sighted. Our memories are so short. And yet, Father, you're there. You're always there waiting for us to come to you. So this morning, may we do so. May we come before you this morning and give you the praise, honor, and glory that only you deserve. Bless these words that we're about to uh, hear from the Proverbs. Uh, thank you for men like Solomon, those that you gave words to. To be able to say exactly what needed to be said. So that we might, even thousands of years later, be able to use these words in a very special way. That truly shows the world that you are with us. So would you bless us to that end now. And again, we praise you and thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, we've got several readings this morning. Most of them are fairly short. But if you would stand to hear God's word spoken this morning. First, we'll begin with Proverbs 15, verses 1 through 8. A soft answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouths of fools pours out folly. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. A gentle tongue is a tree of life, but perverseness in it breaks the spirit. A fool despises his father's instruction, but whoever heeds reproof is prudent. In the house of the righteous there is much treasure, but trouble befalls the income of the wicked. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, not so the hearts of fools. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is acceptable to him. And now verse 18. A hot-tempered man stirs up strife, but he who is slow to anger quiets contention. 16, verse 32. Whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than those who take a city. 27, verses 3 and 4. A stone is heavy and sand is weighty, but a fool's provocation is heavier than both. Wrath is cruel. Anger is overwhelming. But who can stand before jealousy? 
Grass withers, the flowers fade away, but the word of our Lord will stand forever. Amen, church. Amen. Amen. Thank y'all. Be seated. We're going to talk today about one of the smallest muscles in the body. And no, I'm not necessarily talking about the brain. Maybe for some of us, that might be the case. But today, we're going to talk about the one thing that is near to us as our lips are, okay? And that's the tongue. The subject of the sermon for today, the overall overarching theme today, is anger. So we can see that there is a direct relationship between the tongues, the tongue and our minds and anger. Moreover, this will include our head and our heart as well as our tongue. Well, the tongue doesn't have the sense to be able to say something without those thought processes having traveled through our heart and through our mind before it ever gets to the tongue. So while our tongues get a lot of credit for both negative and positive things said, it has to be thought about, it has to be mulled over, quickly or slowly, depending, and then filtered onto the mouth for the tongue to do its thing. Sometimes even faster than what we just said. Usually faster, I would suppose, than what was just said. Someone pulls out in front of you at a stop sign. As I've used this example several times before and am likely to again and again, someone turns left through a red light at an intersection that has one of those little green and red arrows, and they do it on the red light. Now, I always thought red meant stop, okay? But obviously, for a lot of people nowadays, it doesn't. I mean, (laughs) just go if you want to. You might just question where those people got their license like maybe out of a Cracker Jack box. You may question the capability of a person driving 10 to 15 miles an hour under the speed limit, but somehow or another, they speed up when you have the opportunity to pass them. Maybe, just maybe, you have questioned the parentage of someone who you notice is spending more time watching their phone than the lane in which they are driving and they're coming more and closer and closer to you in your lane. Notice that all of my pet peeves here are in the car. (laughs) Guess y'all figured that one out, didn't you? Well, the anger excuses that we could potentially come up with with, can go very far. Uh, From sports to lawmakers to our bosses at work to Liberal or conservative talking heads on TV will pass that one quickly to a spouse, to a child, maybe even to yourself. The possibilities of being fair about this issue, anger, and the use of the tongue can extend as, you, as far as you think it could go. I say that because though we have, had, we have our buttons uh, that can be pushed, like it or not, we all have those, okay? they may not necessarily be the same for all of us, but oh, they are there. The question for this morning is twofold. First, I have to ask, what do you do with your anger? The second, and this one might just be a little bit more important, is what should you do 
with your anger. Is there ever a chasm between those two questions for you? Maybe there is at least for most of us. I I don't know. Minor annoyances are one thing. I think we all get those from the time we get up in the morning till the time we go to bed at night. That one button. Maybe it's one you didn't even know you had. When the right person comes along and they push that one red button that's got a plastic cover over it, you know? So you have to respond more than once before you get to the real deal, that bottom button. The one that has potential for disaster for you, quite honestly. It's kind of like unleashing a nuclear warhead within yourself. Anyone ever watch the Christmas story? I mean, who hadn't, right? Think about the fight between Ralphie and Scott Farkas, the neighborhood bully. The fury of fists that came down on Scott and the language that Ralphie used for for whatever reason that had been building up inside of him that made even his young friends blush as he was calling Scott all of these things. Now, that's a laughable situation for us, isn't it? I mean, that's on TV. That's another world. That's even 35 years ago, okay? We can watch the movie and, and maybe even laugh about it now. Or maybe we can see ourselves at some point within us. We can see that situation within each of us in one way or another. Just a few years ago, I I had a situation with someone from another country. This was in Poland. There was a pastor there. A pastor, now get this. There were no fisticuffs, obviously, for two reasons. First, I am not a believer in physical violence, solving even the most minute of problems. I I find boxing and and violent sports like that just utterly ridiculous. I, I see no reason for them. Never have seen a reason to pound on anybody's head or especially, maybe more especially, have them pound on me. I mean, to me, it just serves no purpose, you know? At the end of the day, when you have a fight and and you have a quote-unquote winner and quote-unquote loser, who's won? What'd they win? Who lost? What'd they lose? You know, I mean, it's stupid in my opinion. Plus the fact that this guy was like 6,000 miles away from me at the time that we had this conversation probably had a little bit to do with it as well, okay? But he insinuated something to me, about me, And that white light flashed for the very first time. And then I saw red. And while I didn't say anything that perhaps a sailor might have remarked on, I let the guy and his wife have it on the phone. You see, she she had as much to do with it as he did. And they hung up on me. I've never in my entire life, nor have I since, ever had anybody hang up on me because I was hollering at them. Never happened, all right? Never had anybody do that before. Now, we did meet face-to-face a few months later, I guess, and I did apologize to the guy. I apologized to he and his wife both for my irrational behavior. And and we were all cool with it. But I, I unleashed a flood of words 
and thoughts on them that I just did not realize I could ever do with anybody else. And it, it bothered me greatly. I did have to ask God for forgiveness when all was said and done. But the thing is, is I have a couple of friends of mine that are ARP pastors. And immediately after I got off the phone with, in Poland, I called them and I flat let them have it. They just happened to be in the way. And all the sailor words and everything came out then. And you know what they did? They laughed. <laughs> they just laughed at me, you know. They, they still mention this from time to time, though. And it, it even got around Presbytery after a while. They thought it was funny. They, they couldn't imagine me, me getting so mad. Now, it's not a situation that I was proud of, okay? But I found out what my limits were, and I think oftentimes we'd have to do the same thing, okay? How do we handle those limits? That's the big thing here, okay? And this is what we're learning about in this passage or these passages from Proverbs today. What do we do? What do we do with those limits? How do we approach them? How do we handle them? The point is that there is something like that in every single last one of us waiting to boil out at the most inopportune times. And chances are when those happen, we will not glorify God when we do it. So be ready if it happens to you. Maybe it will happen to you. Maybe it has happened to you. But if it hadn't, I pray it doesn't. In verses 1 and 2 of chapter 15 this morning, look at the comparison between a gentle answer and a harsh word and, and what they both bring about. The tongue is directly spoken of in verse 2. The tongue of the wise commends knowledge, but the mouth of fools pour out folly. So let's kind of put these two verses together here and, and, and see what we come up with. The tongue of the wise, when it gives a gentle answer, will turn away wrath and encourage knowledge. The tongue of the fool, when offering up answer, uh, anger, in his answer will reap folly. So it has a lot to do with what we say as well as in how we say it. This is a tremendous responsibility that we all have concerning this one part of the body that we must exercise wisdom with. Or we should, at least, anyway. I know we've talked about the tongue before in our Proverbs study. We've talked about it in other passages in the New Testament. And, and I'm sure some of you all perhaps maybe rolled your eyes when I started talking about the tongue this morning in the, in the sermon. Or at least talking about part of it anyway. Okay, we, we know what it can do. And we know what it does, do we not? And yet look how we have heard about wisdom for what seems like Forever at times in these sermons. And that's just in Proverbs alone. Do you notice how the really important things in the scriptures are mentioned more than once? You ever saw that or ever noticed it? In fact, they're pounded into our heads over and over again. Two reasons, I think, that makes that occur. First, we've got short memories. And I'm not sure that... As we get older, that any of us could disagree with that. But, you know, you young folks may think different. You may think Terry and I were talking about memories and that sort of thing on the way to church this morning and how it seems when we get older 
we can't remember as well. I don't think that that's the case at all. I think when you get older, you got more to remember now than you did then, and you just can't handle it all. You know? At least that's what I like to tell myself anyway. The very important things in our lives have to be driven into our minds to make them almost become second nature to us. The second thing is, is that, that really important things in the Scriptures are underscored in importance by way of being repeated again and again. And I think this is just to show the value, to show the importance, even the necessity of some of these things. They're repeated more than once. This is another round of talking about the tongue and its purposes, though. And yet, think if you didn't have a tongue. It'd be almost impossible to talk. You couldn't taste food. Let's face it, it serves primary functions for communications, does it not? For enjoying eating, things like that. And yet James 3, verses 5 through 8, simply put, such a small thing can create a world of problems. In short, the tongue can be a force of evil. It can corrupt us. Jesus says in Matthew 15, verse 18, that the, the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart. And these things make a man unclean. Look at Ephesians 4, 29 through 32. Don't let unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Folks, those don't come from the tongue. Those things come from the heart. They're harbored there, okay? We are to be kind and compassionate with one another. So what do you see here? The tongue, again, plays a very big role in how we let others know how you feel. You, you can speak love or you can speak anger. Now, when I marry folks, I have pre-marriage counseling with them. Now, I'm not going to put you all on the spot, but I am, okay? <laughs> I tell my folks that I don't go about counseling like normal pastors, okay? For a lot of you all who know me pretty well, you pretty well got it figured. I ain't a normal pastor anyway, okay? <laughs> not sure if that's good or bad, though, quite honestly. But you know what my first and most important topic that I talk about, and most everything else is based off of, I've given you a hint here, guys. What is it? Amen. Communication. You listen. How to practice it. How to improve on it. How to do it tailored to who you are. It's things that my wife and I have learned over now two weeks, two days, and 50 years of marriage. This, this is how we have learned to do things. We weren't two mimes that grew up in the same house, okay? We're not two mimes now. Believe me, we're not two mimes now. But even at that, there have been methods that we have learned or have developed of communication that we have learned to either use or to, to cast off because they didn't work, okay? We have learned these things. What, what I have talked with Laura and David about were things that they will build on. I, I told them this is one of the things. This, they will build on this for as long as they are married. And I pray it's longer than 50 years. I, but the day that they begin this journey, in just a couple of weeks, 
That is when the, the journey of communication as well as the journey of love will truly begin for them. And that's where it needs to continue to develop. If we all had a, a line of communication, a method of communication that we could use with our friends, with our family, with, with those that we love, with those that we don't even know that well. If we could have a line of communication like that, I promise you we would not be having the problems in this world we got going right now. Amen. Thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> you won't find that in this sermon either. That just off the top of my head, okay? So, anyway... That was a rabbit trail, and I'm sorry. No, I'm not. <laughs> using, the, using the tongue to communicate. And the other topics that we'll talk about over the next few weeks all center around communication and use of the tongue. And as Kirk said last week, diligence. Diligence is going to be a key word through all of these topics that we'll be talking about over the next several weeks. But diligence in how we use our tongue, how we develop our heart, how we develop what we're thinking, okay? All of these things come into play. And this sermon, to go full circle, concerns anger. Now, understand first, this sermon concerning anger isn't so much about cursing, things like that, as Ephesians 4 talked about, unwholesome talk coming out of the mouth. But look a bit more closely at what that passage says. Job one for us is to show kindness and compassion to others, right? Yet we so often have trouble with, with that even as Christians, don't we? Why? Why do we have trouble even talking to our brothers and sisters in Christ? Because we harbor bitterness, rage, anger, and other things that should not be considered Christ-worthy of any of His people. We don't want to deal with this thing, these things. We just want to put them off, let somebody else deal with it. Out of sight, out of mind. There is no giving it up to God for Him to deal with. But those things don't go away. They stay within us. Like a cancer. They grow within us. They'll eat away at you until there is only bitterness, rage, and anger left inside you. That becomes sadly who you are. What you're known by. I'll ask you, is that what you want for yourself? Is that what you want to be known as? It, it sure isn't what God wants for you. I mean, let's face it. I think every one of us knows what anger is and what it's about, don't we? Two or more disagree on a common topic or there's some bias we feel towards another because our views are different than theirs or someone has done something to slight you or at least in your mind they have done something to slight you. There are all kinds of reasons, some good, some bad, that can cause anger within us. What do we do with that anger? That's what this is about. Proverbs 15, even for, uh, chapter 16 in the verse that we used from there, so the verse 32, is telling us plain as it can get, get control of the anger that we all feel at times. Take it and give it to God. Don't give it to another person. Let God handle it. Don't hand it off. Don't give it to somebody else. It's not healthy for either side. Let's put the blame on the tongue again for just a second. 
Look at Proverbs 15 again. Verse 1, a harsh word stirs up anger. Verse 4, deceitful tongue crushes the spirit. Chapter 12, verse 18, a reckless word pierces like a sword. Ooh, here's a doozy. 26, verse 28, a lying tongue hates those it hurts. Think about that one. A lying tongue hates those it hurts. Now let's be real. The tongue, in all fairness, didn't come up with the words or the slander or anything else, did it? Just like a fist, when it hits something or someone on it, it, it doesn't do it on its own, does it? It does what the owner tells it to do. That's the heart and the mind. So let's get to the source of the problem here. Chapter 16 tells us that whoever is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit than he who takes a city, which is kind of funny in my opinion if you think about it. I'm not sure a city's ever been taken because the taker was doing something nice to the city being taken. Uh, if that was the case, I, I don't think Putin is spending uh, his evil because he's wanting to do a favor to the Ukraine, you know? I mean, it's, that doesn't work that way, but it's talking about ruling one's spirit. That's the important thing. That's the key point to controlling our anger is controlling our spirit. And the center of, what, of that control must come from the heart. And that control must come from within because we are made to believe or understand that there's a better way of doing things than by the way we think that are not only feasible and successful, but will give us the upper hand if we do it ourselves. If we have control of the situation rather than seeking assistance to help us eliminate or defuse our anger. Those things teach us the better way comes through the scriptures and through the work of the Holy Spirit. Proverbs 2, 6, For the Lord gives wisdom, and from his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. Let's look to the opposite of the evil the tongue can do here for a second. In our reading this morning from chapter 15, verse 4, we see that the tongue that brings healing is a tree of life. If we use our tongues for God and not for evil or for anger, we will help heal people's spirits. Isn't that what we want? We talk about peace and all this other kind of stuff, and then we go out and kill. The tongue can help create a healing situation. By allowing peace to grow. Isn't that what we want? The opposite of anger, one opposite anyway, is peace. And it's what we are to live with with others, if at all possible, as Paul wrote at Romans 12, verse 18. Maybe the centerpiece of our reading today should be the first verse of chapter 15. A gentle answer turns away wrath. Or to say it with the terms that we're trying to adapt to this, a peaceful answer turns away anger. And to that end, look at verse 8 of our reading this morning. Chapter 15, it says this. The prayer of the upright is acceptable to God. Now what does that tell us? That we will not be able to come to God in anger and expect Him to listen to us. Again, there's that push, that encouragement from God to toss out anger and to live in peace and in gentleness with all. 
The subject of our sermon today is was to be anger. And I, I think we have with the examples of weakness in my life. Maybe, maybe you all have seen fits of anger and, and what it's not only done to you, but what it's done to those around you or those who the anger was aimed at. Whether that was an adult, a child, a family member, maybe somebody in another car you don't even know. Maybe that's one subject that we really didn't talk too much about on this morning, and maybe you all are hoping that I don't, about cars and stuff. Quickly, though, I want you to consider this in closing. We talk about how much of a godless society we seem to be living in, how we're being somewhat limited in what rights Christians have, how so many now are are proclaiming their denial of God and they're making inroads because they are making conscious efforts to get others to deny the existence of God as well. It isn't always done with anger, folks. Believe me. But if you look at it from that standpoint, and then look at the road rage, for instance, that has sprung forth over the last however many years. Look at the things that people say to other folks that they don't even know on social media concerning certain subjects. Look at even at our country's politics today and how it has become an even bigger love-hate situation than, than ever before, ever in our history. No one seems to either want peace or wants to promote peace. Though there's some factions that say that they really want it. But then again, it's only if you do things their way. If you don't, you're just labeled another hate term. And so it goes. You see, without God, without the love of Jesus Christ in our lives, without attempting to control our heart and our tongue, where is this going to lead? All because we now live in a world that wants to control things our own way and forget about the teachings of passages like Proverbs 15. Not sure I covered the subject of anger properly or not, but hopefully it has given you reason to at least take stock of your own life and just what you are doing to promote the peace of God to all you come in contact with. For you see... It all begins with you and me. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We praise you. And yet we're troubled because we know that within our own hearts and minds, bitterness and rage and anger oftentimes spring forth. And we don't even know where it comes from. We know who the author is. It's Satan. And we know that he waits to strike like a prowling lion. And yet we cling to you. We want you in our lives. Live in us through your Holy Spirit, we pray. Be with us. Give us that strength that we need to overcome even that slightest bit of anger that we all feel at times for just the most minor of things. Help us to live in peace together, but help us to promote that peace, a peace that only you have given that passes all understanding. Would you guide us to that end? Would you be with us as we attempt to live that way? We ask in Jesus' name. Amen.